You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019, and I am your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Dan O'Brien. Hello, hello. Dimitri Rejasinger. What's good, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Hey, Central City. Welcome back. Let's jump into our recap of Season 5, Episode 11, which was titled Seeing Red and aired on January 22, 2019. Here's the official synopsis. Using a list of Central City's metas from a police informant, Cicada steps up his killing spree, forcing the Flash Mob to take action. After a confrontation with Cicada that leaves Nora paralyzed, Barry and the team try to round up all the metas in Central City to get them into witness protection outside of Central City. Using Killer Frost as a go-between, Barry's able to persuade the metas to flee the city, but when they gather to be picked up, Cicada shows up to take them all down. While Ralph helps get the metas to safety, Barry takes on Cicada. Without his powers, it doesn't look good, but Killer Frost is able to level the playing field, and a supercharged Barry quickly takes out Cicada. He's actually about to kill him, reasoning that as long as Cicada is alive, no meta is safe, when Nora, who's finally recovered, races into the scene to startle him back to reality. Cicada escapes, but so do all the metas, and Barry realizes the way he felt about Nora being injured was the same way Cicada must feel about Grace being injured, so he comes up with the idea that the key to defeating Cicada might be curing Grace. Meanwhile, over in the subplots, Caitlin continues to work on the Medicure, but is being frustrated by Killer Frost, who it turns out is worried Caitlin might take that cure, wiping Killer Frost out of existence. Ralph is able to reassure her, and Killer Frost makes amends with Caitlin by providing her with a sample of Cicada's blood for her research. And over in the sub-subplot, Sherlock continues to investigate Nora, trying to trick her into like, taking him to visit the Flash Museum in the future. Iris tries to put an end to Sherlock's investigation of Nora, but he persists and realizes there's someone pulling her strings. Let's check out on the ratings for Season 5, Episode 11. The episode was viewed by 1.86 million total viewers and had a 0.6 in the demo rating. That is the largest audience for The Flash since the season premiere, so good news for the show. So, what was everyone's initial reaction to this episode? Jeff, let's start with you. You know what? After the promo, I really wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this episode. But after watching it, I, I liked it much better than the promo. And uh, th- there were a couple little things that I that I didn't necessarily care for, which um, really stood out in this episode. But man, Nora got beat down. And uh, I know it's probably very horrible to say, but it, that was... I mean... It was, it was nice. <laughs> That's so horrible to say. So I apologize to everybody that, uh, you know, you, you should not 
beat people up, but um, I should just stop. But yes, it, it, I don't it, know if the NSA is listening, but if you could run a quick check of Jeff's house, that would be awesome. Well, when it comes go. to sadistic killers, it's usually not Jeff that I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm just going to stake out my moral high ground and say, kids, if you're listening, it's wrong to punch girls. Uh, Dimitri, what is your opinion on this episode? Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry to be a hater. I, I kind of am done with them constantly getting Cicado on the ropes. And then because of some tomfoolery, he escapes right in the nick of time. Like, I feel like they could have caught him three times by now. He's not that special. You have a meta who's resistant to his powers, but they're just like, ooh, look, squirrel, and then he gets away. And it's it's so unbelievable at this point because I feel like it's like the third time. I'm done with Cicada. I'm ready to move on to Thorn. We already know he's going to be the big baddie of the of the season, I, I really don't need to see this overcompensating gravelly voice ever again. Um, I, I also wasn't super sympathetic to Nora. She's been getting on my nerves too uh, when when he broke her back. Again, uh, you know, violence is wrong, but I was like, I mean, I understand. Um, basically, <laughs> I, uh, I I wasn't I wasn't huge on this episode. I, I was really excited by the premise because we did see Nora getting hurt in the promo. And I thought it would be almost like a Jason Todd-esque moment where it's definitely going to push Barry in a direction. One thing that I thought could have been really cool is seeing it push him and Iris in maybe different directions where Iris is constantly the voice of reason and is maybe the one to bring him back. Whereas, you know, he's maybe going towards the... Uh, the Oliver side, and kids, if you're listening, never go to the Oliver side. Nothing good comes out of that. So um, I I basically feel like um, Iris didn't get enough screen time to address how much harm came to her daughter. Uh, Barry's, I don't know, I wasn't sold on Grant Gustin's uh, um, Angry Father act. It just, I didn't, it didn't buy it for me. Um, Nora just came across as whiny because we know from the basically from the get go that she's gonna heal, that she's you know um, her heal factor is gonna kick in just slower than usual, and she whines so much, and it's like you could have died, you're gonna be out of commission for a half hour, like you can chillax. I I just I don't know, it wasn't a hugely empathetic episode for me. I thought Candace Patton did some uh, really good emotional delivery there. There was a really humorous scene between her and Sherlock where she's like, stay away from my daughter. That was that was a relatable scene. Barry's uh, Barry's sort of uh, stepping over to the dark side, so to speak. I did not find as believable. Um, Sherlock, I kind of want him to wrap up his investigation. We all know where it's going. And it's just taking him too long to get there. Cicada, I, I don't care. I, I don't, I don't. I'm sorry, his his niece is is injured, but I, I don't care about this ratchet, gravelly Batman voice knockoff anymore. Catch him, put him in jail, and go about your day. Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Citizen, because Dimitri has apparently said everything he was going to say, so there's no point in my asking him any questions. Uh, Dan, what was your of this episode? I mean, that was about what I was about to say. I was like, well, I guess we can all go home. Dimitri decided to summarize everything. I, I'll just say that they're 0 for 2 in 2019. I, it was a little bit better than last week's, but 
That's not saying much. Uh, none of us were particularly fond of last week's episode. Um, and I kind of echo everything else everybody else said because it's all pretty spot on. Okay, before we get into our thorough recap, see, Demetria, thorough recap is coming up of the latest episode of The Flash. Here's our non-review special feelings. announcements. Shade. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. Poppychularadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. The episode opens with that sketchy anti-meta doctor visiting uh, Orland and handing off a list of the names and addresses of metas who've been in prison. Now, we talked before about this doctor. Uh, we saw her in the flashback to the night of the, uh, the collider explosion uh, and how she might be a lot more than she first seemed. Uh, does anyone have any new thoughts about her seeing her again in this episode? Jeff, what did you think? You know what? I was actually really surprised at how in charge she is in this situation i know that we we've kind of touched on it and we were like you know is she kind of you know manipulating him or or leading him down this path in particular with the the, the flashbacks of uh whatever episode that was um i believe it was the the episode before the crossover i think uh but yeah like i was really really surprised at how much in charge she was in this episode and she she's not scared of him well, she was startled by him but she's not scared of him she's the one that's kind of pushing him well you know what like you need to get your ass back out there and i've got this list for you and you need to do this and you need to do that like i was really surprised at how in charge she was and it makes it a, a little bit more interesting because uh, it isn't just cicada sort of uh doing it and, and i was wondering like how is he finding these people and that kind of thing so the fact that she has her hands a little bit more 
in it than um, than I anticipated. You know, I thought she might have been just the doctor that that he approached, but no, she's she's working on this, and uh, she's the one that's um, that's got a plan, I guess. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and using this information, Cicada manages to kill a number of metas uh, before Team Flash shows up to confront him. Uh, but in what turns out to be only the second most gruesome act of lower back damage in the Arrowverse this week, uh, Cicada smashes Nora's spine. Now, I hesitate to ask you three barely human monsters this question, but what did you think about that scene? Uh, and how do you think it fits the usual lighter tone of the Flash? The Flash is, you know, we've, we've compared it to Arrow in the past quite often. You know, it could easily be compared with uh, with what happened on Black Lightning this week. The the Flash usually has a lighter tone. Uh, this struck me as uh, an unusually uh, graphic sign of violence. Uh, Dan, what did you think of the scene? I suppose, uh, you know, of the panel here, I actually wasn't excited to see her get hurt. Um, but, but my problem with this, if, if there was a problem, was it's the, uh, the power index of Cicada himself. Like, how powerful is he such that he can punch the base of someone's spine and, and, and break it. And he, sometimes he has trouble taking a punch from one of the team or, or something like that. So it wasn't particularly convincing as much of Cicada's, you know, power level is kind of not particularly convincing. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was meant to be an emotional moment. And I think it, you know, it kind of landed. I, I'll echo something that Dimitri said, even though he wrote us, a, you know, a Russian epic. Um, <laughs> I wasn't really sold on Grant Gustin the being shit. an angry guy. You know what I mean? Like I, maybe it's just Grant Gustin not being the kind of person that could be an angry person, but it it, it didn't really resonate particularly much with me. Um, but other than that, you know, it was kind of what we expected from the preview, I suppose, on some level. We knew Nora was going to get hurt. We knew it was going to affect Barry on some level, and that that would be you know maybe a primary motivation in the episode on some you know to, to, to some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was as I said, it was kind of blah. They're over for two for the year, and I'm. This is only marginally better than last week. Well, before we get to Angry Barry, we get uh, the scene where uh, Nora's paralyzed, giving Candace Patton and Grant Gustin a chance to play the semi-grieving parents by the bedside, which is something they haven't really had the chance to do, you know, since Nora came into their life. Uh, so, Dimitri, how would you like how Patton and Gustin played their roles as the parents of an injured child, given how much uh, you love you some Candace Patton, as all good people do? Facts on facts. Um, I'll try to keep this brief, given all the shade I'm getting. Okay, on to our next Uh, question. (laughs) You ain't shit, you know that? Um, He is everything. This this was the believable part for me. I found it believable, you know, a family, you know, slightly traumatized. And I did feel like this was exactly the level of injury that the Flash gets. Like, it's always, like, something healable. Or somebody died because it does try to be a lighter show. Um, I thought Nora was, it was a little hard to relate to her because she was so upset. And it's like you're going to be out of commission for like three hours. Um, But I thought Barry and uh, Iris sort of, they did evoke some emotion as concerned parents. Um, It was sort of when Barry left to go uh, sort of chase down Cicada and like he's storming out of the police station. It was so cliche. Somebody's like, what do you, I think Cecile's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know, but I got to do something. I rolled my eyes really hard. But I think while they were sort of um, at, at Star Labs and sort of watching over her and stuff like that, that was uh, a genuine moment for the, for the Flash family. Ordinarily, of course, in moments like that, we'd rely on Joe for some fatherly comfort and advice, but he's still in Tibet. So once again, it's D.A. Cecile Horton stepping up. Uh, the team's able to realize Cicada's working from a list of convicted but freed 
important to note, these are people who've done their time, they're free citizens, uh, met us in the CCPD database, so there must be someone inside the department. Uh, Cecile and Barry go to share this news with Captain Singh. Um, did anyone else think the writers were trying to paint Singh as the possible baddie, uh, as, as a possible redheading? Did you think that was what they were doing? And if so, were you fooled? I'll just open this up to the floor, because I thought they were trying to lead us in that direction. I didn't think they would, and I was hoping they wouldn't, because I like Singh as a character, but I kind of thought they were maybe... Uh, setting it up that you know he might have been the guy that's revealed to be the baddie at the end. Really, Jonesy looks I, shifty and shady from out the gates. Like, yeah, I was the like, fact that they showed him and mentioned him by name, you know, did make it seem like he was the one. But I don't know, just the way that Cecile, when Cecile was talking to him a little later, and she specifically asked him to set the roadblocks. I thought we'd find out that you know Cicada would show up on those roads because Singh had given him the information, and that would have been how Cecile proved ah, it was Singh who was the bad guy. But. Maybe I'm just hyper suspicious. Yes, Sherlock. Um, it it almost felt like they said Jonesy's name just to remind us when we reveal he's the traitor, this is who this guy is. You've met him before. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking it was it was so obvious and clumsy that it wouldn't be that, but yeah, no it is. And and that's the only reason to mention him as the only cop in the room by name. Yes. And he also had the traumatic experience. But still oh, Yeah, and Maybe if they'd thrown that into the, but I guess if they put him in the recap, that would have been too obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like honestly, it wasn't until uh, Cecile had her uh, her verbal beatdown with him uh, at the end of the episode that I remembered. Oh yeah, that did happen to him. He was so traumatized, wasn't he? Um, anyway, so Barry and Cecile decide the only way to keep the metas of Central City safe is to get them out of Central City. So while Cecile makes arrangements, Barry has to round up the metas. So what do you think, uh, Dan, about the idea of him turning to Killer Frost for help? I mean, it seemed like the only rational thing to do, given that she could damage Cicada in the first place. Um, it's been a, a weirdly underused. I mean, we kind of all talked about this in Dimitri's, you know, initial soliloquy there. Brought about, well, like I don't, I'm kind of over <laughs> Cicada constantly getting away as well. Like, what, what is the point of this? Just have a gun. I mean, I feel like Oliver could do a better job at this point than all of this and all the metas in the world because you just shoot him in the face. But and there <sighs> is no greater insult in the Arrowverse. Really, truly, right? The fact that Oliver could do it. But, I, you know, I, I, I suppose it was a good idea, and it was the way to go, and they're kind of giving, you know, Danielle Pennebaker a lot of time, which which I kind of like. It, it's odd to see her without Cisco, not to fan the flames of Dimitri's, uh, you know, conspiracy theory, which I, I find that I'm leaning more toward every day. But, yeah, you know, I, I like that she was there. I like that they used her powers. I feel like they're purposely moving around... The cure as a solution to Cicada, as somehow something Thawne wanted to do, which you realize we'll probably talk a little bit later on about. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I I, I always like Killer Frost. I, I, perhaps I'm in the minority there, but but I I find her kind of interesting. Well, I doubt that you're in the minority. Any uh, anyone else like Killer Frost here? Bueller, Bueller. Well, I mean, she's always awesome. I know Dimitri has some sort of hatred for her, but um. I, I liked her. I liked the usage of her throughout the episode in both storylines. I, I feel like uh, they used Killer Frost almost to um, um, allow some of the other metas that we've seen before uh, soften up a little bit to, to uh, share with us as they shared with her, like the backstory. Like, I, I thought the Norbach one was kind of interesting. I like that they gave him different shades versus just sort of evil. 
So that was really interesting. I, I like that we saw some of our favorite people uh, again. Well, maybe not favorite, but like some of our past metas again. I always like when they do that, uh, like they did um, in, uh, in last season with uh, Barry in prison. And then um, the thinker came and ruined everything. It's kind of like that, I guess, in this episode. But um, but yeah, I like that they used Killer Frost in a way to sort of uh, mix it up with some of our past metas. Do do we have time for some brief Killer Frost specific shade? No, of course. course. I I really wasn't feeling that. In order to like sort of really differentiate her from Caitlyn, she sort of she sort of talks in like this like Brooklyn urban accent. I felt specifically attacked, but she's like she starts talking like "ain't no way" and saying stuff like that, and everybody sort of looks funny and sure looks like oh we we appreciate your groove. And I was like, I, I just, I really, I don't think you need to do that to make her a convincing baddie. She's not a convincing baddie already, but um, we can lay off the, the urban speak to try and make her more convincing. It didn't work, and it just sort of felt disingenuous to me. I, I don't know, I'm open to other people's thoughts on that, but I was like, you could have left that out. So are you saying ain't no way is urban speak? Her, she, she. There was more to that line, but it, it was definitely what they were trying to do. I mean, you they do. The I don't think she, she doesn't have an accent, but they echo her voice when she's Killer Frost. So maybe that's what you heard. They have this weird echoey type of thing when she talks. I mean, yeah, I like the cast commented that, on it. Like, I will keep an eye out for on Euro for in the future because I hadn't noticed that myself, but. Uh, you know, now that I'm aware of it, it might be something like Lynn's sad face that once you're aware of it, you can't not notice it. Yeah, there you go. Aw, Lynn's sad face. Um, anyway, most of the metas are scared enough to come in except for a teleporter called Peekaboo, so Barry goes off to get her. Cicada, of course, shows up. Uh, Barry's powerless but still tries to fight Cicada with what can only be described as limited success or perhaps better as no success. Uh, we saw a lot of Cicada's fighting style in this episode. He, he got a number of fights in uh, both, you know, powered and unpowered situations. Uh, Dimitri, let's start with you. What did you think of the depowered fight scene uh, in the bar uh, between Barry and Cicada? I don't know. It was, uh, it was a little lot. Like I said, the whole... Uh... The whole sort of premise seemed like a little disingenuous from the get-go. Um, it was, uh, it was like to some degree emotionally satisfying, um, but I don't, I don't think the delivery was there where I truly bought it the way um, they constantly try to make you buy it on Arrow. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it might be as Dan said, you know, we just don't buy Grant Gustin as a as a super angry dude. Um, but the whole, uh, the whole sort of internal struggle and how, how far he was willing to go, I didn't think was, uh, I wasn't buying it. I, like from the get go, I knew he wasn't going to go that far. And I did think he would have been better if Iris were the one to bring him back rather than basically take the trigger away with, uh, I know that sets up, uh, saving grace, but, uh, with Nora coming back and then he's like, oh, well, I don't have to do this because turns out she's okay. Yeah, and we've talked about that in the past, the idea that sometimes the writers are making characters do things that aren't in their established character just to drive the story forward. And as you say, you know, uh, Barry's uh, reaction you know, in this episode was sort of all about getting him to the point where he would make the grace realization. Um, and so maybe it, it wasn't something that flowed as naturally out of character, although you know, obviously he's never been in that situation before. Um, 
at any rate, after uh, getting the uh, the crap beaten out of him by well, actually, can Barry. I say something? Because this is a, a section that really annoyed me, and and uh, I, I feel like uh, Dan sort of mentioned a little bit in his initial reaction. But I I hate that the people on the Flash do not know how to do hand to hand combat. Like, they are depowered, and, like, they can't fight. And I get it, they're all nerds and geeks and that kind of thing, but you would think five seasons in, or five years in, from starting this sort of uh, super-powered team-up, that they would have taken, like, a kickboxing class or something. It's kind of crazy that everyone else in the Arrowverse... From Legends, to Arrow, to Supergirl, to Black Lightning. They all take some sort of uh, either course or, or they, they train and that kind of thing. And it seems like no one on The Flash trains. And you would think that the main one, The Flash, Team Flash, the leader, would train. And he's just horrible at hand-to-hand combat like he picked up a chair and and, like it was just it's always sad and pathetic when barry has been depowered and he just can't fight for shit with cicada and uh like he needs to have his superpowers to fight him and it's it's a bit disappointing and that's something that has bugged me throughout this season in particular because of cicada and he depowers everyone and it just was really evident in this episode uh, throughout, like, all of the um, altercations with Cicada. Piling on that real quick, I, I just want to say one other thing. Um, it, it's it's not so much that it's Barry's so weak, it's inconsistent, because sometimes it does seem like Barry does know how to fight hand-to-hand combat, and sometimes it seems like Cicada doesn't know how to fight. Yes, yes. And it's too... Uh, discontinuous. To, it, it's confusing all the time. Sometimes Barry will get mad and punch somebody, and he knocks him out one punch like he's Tyson. And the next time, he can't swing a chair. And then sometimes Cicada gets punched by a random depowered meta, and he falls down. And then sometimes somebody huge punches him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm Cicada now." It <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, and it's very confusing. And I, I'm I'm with Dimitri on the ridiculous, ridiculous Christian Bale voice that that I can't take anymore. But it's not it's inconsistency is what gets me the most about it. It's not just that okay, why would you have taken a course at the Y at this point on hand 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 combat? It's you exist in this universe and it, your ability to use basic hand fighting doesn't make any sense. I mean, I feel like Iris has knocked people out at some point as well, but Barry can't swing a chair. It's like what, what what's happening? I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But I just wanted to pile on a little bit because I also find that deeply annoying. No, but I think you guys are right in that, you know, yes, he has had these powers, and yes, he does rely on them, and I think something that, you know, uh, Oliver's pointed out to him is that he does over-rely on his powers. You know, they're sort of, you know, drawing a, a Superman-Batman parallel there, but it's it's really irresponsible on his part, because even if he doesn't necessarily need those powers, think how much better he would be if he cause, was doing his, you know, uh, his, his advanced fighting style at super speed. It would just make him much more effective when taking down metas, so perhaps that is a sign of, of laziness, because when you talk about Barry's training, it basically just consists of running really fast, because that's fun. He doesn't seem to be doing the sort of, you know, uh, training that would uh, would necessitate doing non-fun training. And clearly he didn't remember anything uh, from the time that he was Oliver Queen in the Elseworlds crossover. Very true. Can I do one more little nitpick? 
This is the nitpicking corner. Okay, perfect. Something that really bugged me in this episode, and I don't know if anybody else was bothered by this, but it just annoyed the crap out of me. Earlier in the scene, the, the one where um, where Nora uh, got her back broke, uh, and not in the good way, uh, there was that, so Killer Frost is helping, and then the girl, uh, the, the random meta, she got sliced, and uh, and I forget who it was, like, we need help. And so Barry's like, okay, we need Caitlyn. And so then Killer Frost goes, turns into Caitlyn, and all Caitlyn says is, we need to get her to the hospital. Could no one else have said that? Like, I just thought it was such a waste of, like, really, she had to get out of her meta-ness and, and just to say, we need to take her to the hospital when she was actually helping out at that moment. Like, I just, I was like, really, people? Really, writers? But again, that was something that was done for plot purposes because you had to get Killer Frost out of the fight because that was the first fight. So you couldn't have Killer Frost there and take Cicada out of it. You had to save her for later. So that was, you know, just a a plot point way of doing that without Killer Frost having to get injured or anything like that. You know, taking her out of the fight voluntarily. uh, And then, you know, obviously the team gets their asses handed to them. Uh, Because, you know, when you're going up against someone who can nullify your powers, it's not like you're going to, I don't know, pack a knife or a taser or a gun or something. You should. Uh, anyway, Barry and Peekaboo breach away to safety, and I'm probably not the first to point this out, but why don't they just breach all the metas out of Central City? Thank you. You know, you got these breaching devices. They're, you got a whole bunch of them. We know they can go all the way, apparently, to the Arctic. Just breach them out. But no, uh, Plot argues that you bring them all together so that Cicada can catch them all at once. Uh, but before that happens, Ralph and Killer Frost have a little heart-to-heart about her, uh, Killer Frost, I should say, blocking Caitlin's work towards a cure. Killer Frost confesses she's scared. Uh, Caitlin will take the cure and wipe her out, but Ralph reassures her. Uh, so, boy, I don't know who to go to on this because I think everyone hates Ralph. Um, what do you think about the scene between Killer Frost and Ralph? Uh, well, I can't go to Dimitri because he hates uh, Killer Frost. Dan hates everyone. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about the scene between Killer Frost and Ralph? And also the idea of using Ralph as the reassuring voice for Killer Frost. Thank you. Don't associate me with these ruffians. I like Ralph. Uh, at least I like him now, as opposed to uh, the sort of uh, skeevy Ralph. Um... I would I would suggest you back up 30 minutes to where you were talking about the joy you felt when Nora had her spine punched out. I know. It still feels so good. You're um, all a bunch of monsters. Yes. But I liked how they used Ralph in this episode uh, throughout. Uh, I like him with Caitlyn. I don't know if I need them smashing. Like, I don't know if if, if I want them to go the shipping way. Uh, I'm not trying to... I was about to say, well, he just sort of set me up with it, because I was actually just about to say, like, I'm, I'm not trying to ship the wrong thing like certain people. But uh, but I like them together. I like uh, Ralph and Caitlin and Ralph and Frosty together. I feel like they have great friendship chemistry. And because there's a difference between friendship chemistry and romantic chemistry, for those out there that might not know. Not Are me. you suggesting some people can't differentiate the two? I feel like some people can't, but... Oh, weird. Yeah, it's... I can. Y'all can, because you can't see that kid go his game. But oh. anyway. As a certain Cheeto likes to say, sad. But uh, but I liked them. I liked uh, I liked the moment in which like Norvok was was talking to Frost and 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 Ralph was kind of listening in and I liked that he sort of figured it out and uh, I, I just I really enjoyed Ralph this episode. 
that's not the only heart-to-heart. Uh, while the uh, group is waiting, Cecile accidentally reads Barry's emotions and realizes he's willing to kill Cicada uh, because of what he did to Nora. Now, we've already sort of talked uh, about, uh, you know, angry Barry and whether we buy it or not. But what I want to talk about is that particular scene with Cecile and the overall use of Cecile throughout the episode. Uh, we've mentioned uh, previously that her role has been bolstered this season because of Jesse Martin's back problems. Uh, so how is D.A. Cecile Horton stepping up? What did you think, uh, Dan, of her overall in this episode? Well, at this point, I think it's probably no secret that I'm a, I'm a huge fan uh, of Cecile. Oh, so fine, I, I like that sounds like Dan likes. Thank you. I know, right? There's always, that one, on my there's always one thing. Her <laughs> um, people you know, and D.A. Cecile Horton. Okay, and yeah. D.A. Cecile Horton. And Joe. I like myself. And Joe, well. yeah. We hate oh, but, but, uh, but anyways, I, uh, I, I liked her, what they did with her in this. I suppose I have the, the Flash Predators have a very particular problem and i imagine it's because uh, there's just so much information to work with it's like they almost can't really decide what to do with cecile like what are her powers what can she do where does she kind of go from here but but in this scene specifically i I, it makes sense that they would use it to draw that narrative parallel between cicada and, and and barry kind of later on the idea of you know the angry protective father willing to do anything to seek vengeance uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, I obviously always like when she's on screen. I feel like she, you know, lights up every scene she's in. Um, but yeah, no, I like I like that she was in it. I mean, I, I, I I'm a fanboy for for Cecile. Yeah, I agree. As much as I love Cecile, and I think, uh, you know, she she's played really well, and she's a breath of fresh air when she comes in, um, I do think they're using her power very inconsistently. I think it gets back to what we were saying before. They're using it for plot purposes rather than having a consistent level. Is it under her control? Is it, you know, totally out of her control? It just seems like sometimes she can turn it on, sometimes she can't turn it off. Um, it seems they're using it more for, for driving the plot uh, than for anything else. Um, but anyway, uh, now that we've dealt with our little heart-to-hearts, we can get back to the climactic fight scene. Cicada shows up to neutralize all the metas. Uh, so Barry tries to take him on hand-to-hand, even telling Killer Frost to stay out of it which is really stupid. Uh, fortunately, she ignores him and is able to uh, neutralize uh, the, uh, the dampening field so a supercharged Barry can start taking out his aggression on Cicada. Um, Dimitri's already talked about this, so Jeff, what were your thoughts on Angry Barry? And do you think he was really going to kill Cicada? Um, I wasn't really feeling Angry Barry either, but uh, I kind of... I, I got what they were trying to do with him like it was kind of like barry at the breaking point and we have seen him at the breaking point before but this one because it was his daughter and whatnot like i fully got it uh, and, and i got what they were trying to do with him to be quite honest i wish he would have killed cicada but that wouldn't have been a very flash kind of thing that would have been an arrow thing in particular arrow season one like oliver queen would not have given any fucks like you have failed the city cicada you know arrows in his head or something but uh i I get it it's the flash they're not going to do that and and they found a very flashy kind of way to handle it and uh i I was perfectly fine with that because it was it's expected of the flash while I did not expect him to go there, it was kind of nice to see him go there. Uh, yeah, and, you know, as for the, the question of how would the Flash go about killing Cicada, Iris would shoot him. Yes, she's gangsta. 
Um, so, uh, anyway, so uh, Nora has taken a lot of grief in this season for getting in the way and distractions, but what I want to know is, can even Dimitri agree that in this particular case, the distraction stopping Barry from killing Cicada was good, maybe not in the sense that we all want to get rid of Cicada, but in terms of, you know, Barry being a different sort of hero, this sort of hero who doesn't kill, can you agree that it was best that she stepped in when she did and stopped her dad from doing something he would have regretted forever and perhaps turned into emo Barry as a result? I can agree that I never want to see Oliver Barry, um, which is Barry basically doing a, a ratchet Oliver. Um, I, we, we've sort of seen hints of that um, sort of peppered throughout the past, I feel like, recent seasons. And, I, I, I mean, there's Arrow for that, right? Um, I, do, I do think, like, if you would have killed Cicada, it would have been by accident. Because I think one thing we need to address is... The team is reading that his lightning is supercharged up. He was just going to throw another punch, but the lightning from that punch is what would have killed Cicada, right? So it's it's a different thing from, like, having murderous intent, I feel. Oh, I thought he had murderous intent. I th- I thought he it may have been, you know, a higher level than he's used to, but I thought he was totally in control of his actions. This was not going to be an accident. This was going to be, I'm killing you. And what, uh, Dan and Jeff, what did you think? Oh, totally. I thought he was going to kill him. Like, for real. Okay, okay. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, like, come on. That's his daughter. you know more about killing than the rest of us combined. (laughs) Um, You know, I I suppose I kind of felt like he certainly had some murderous intent. I mean, if he would have gone through with it, that that remains to be seen. Uh, But, yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose I, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the side of it. Did look like he was gonna gonna punch a hole in his head, but yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Cicada escapes, the metas get free, uh, but there's still that loose end of uh, the cop who was endangering the metas, but fortunately, DA Cecile Horton's still on the case and manages to get him arrested. In the process, she almost gives away the fact she got powers. It's interesting, as she was playing it, as she was saying the stuff out loud, I was thinking, wouldn't anyone pick up on the fact that You've got powers and you're doing this. And it turns out Singh sort of commented on this, and Cecile manages to laugh it off. Um, turns Dimitri. into Felicity. Yeah, exactly. Dimitri, you, got a, you haven't had a chance to talk about Cecile in this app. Uh, how'd you like how uh, Cecile played off that, you know, the, the laughter? Haha, <laughs> no, ever since I've just been much more in touch with my feelings. Haha, <laughs> how silly. No power is me. I, I feel like it's a half-baked attempt to make Cecile adorable. It's it's just not as believable um, from, like, a DA in her 40s. Um, I feel it's like It's not believable that DA Cecile Horton is adorable? I do think she's adorable. I don't think she's a Felicity kind of adorable. That's, like, that's a very innocent kind of adorable that's cute when you're, like, in your mid-20s. It's, it's a little old for Felicity, quite frankly. Um, it doesn't really work on, like, a seasoned professional in the criminal justice system. Like, I feel like it, it, it was cute, but also it was like, this woman's been a DA, like, for, for many, many years now. She has a grown daughter of her own. Like, it's it's weird that she went so fish out of water. So back at Star Labs, Killer Frost agrees to stop hindering Caitlin, and it turns out the two can now communicate even without a technological assist. Um, so, uh, Jeff, uh, how'd you feel about the resolution of Caitlin Killer Frost conflict? Uh, and how did you like, uh, Danielle Panabaker playing both parts throughout the episode? Cause she got a lot more screen time, uh, both for both characters, quite frankly, than she has been getting of late. 
Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that. Uh, it could be because Cisco wasn't there. Um, so th there's that. You know, there's a little bit of a, a trade-off when you have a, a very large cast. You're saying when Cisco's around, she hides because she doesn't want to be seen by him because she finds it uncomfortable? Yes. Uh, it's it's ah, the fabulous yes. hair. She's uh, got it's, hair It's always envy. a shame when someone misreads signals and doesn't understand the friend zone. And... Exactly. Well, he knows who he is. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that they gave Danielle Pennebaker a lot more to do. And I love seeing both sides of uh, the coin. And uh, I like what they did with the, the resolution. I mean, it makes sense. And um, I, I, I think that, well, I hope that they've kind of, uh, you know, just ended th this here. And, and they don't bring this up again. And it feels like they, they have. So... Uh, it's just, um, I, I feel like this, the resolution was pretty obvious from the beginning. Like, Killer Frost was scared that Caitlyn was going to get rid of her, and then obviously Caitlyn has, has become, uh, um, I don't know what the proper term would be, not enamored, but... Uh, but uh, um, Annoying? No. Uh, has... Uh, come to enjoy her frosty side and 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 they're i, I love that line of sister sister i mean they're sister sister now the uh caucasian frosty version and uh i, I mean it, it, i knew that this is the the resolution that was going to be had and i knew that this was what the problem was so i'm glad that they got through it they they understand each other plus if we're going to be real if this is a meta-human cure for people that were affected by dark matter, Killer Frost would not be cured by this. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe Killer, Killer Frost... Possibly. Who yeah. Knows? Killer Frost is not the science uh, whiz, so uh, she might not understand that. So maybe that's why she was worried. But you would think if this is a meta-human cure for people that were affected by the dark matter, that uh, Caitlyn and Killer Frost should not be uh, affected by this at all. So, um, so yeah. So I, 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 I like what they did with it. And I also like that she helped and she got her the, the whiteboard and all that kind of stuff and, and the sample and whatnot. I, I liked it. I like Killer Frost and I like... Caitlin, and uh, they will find a, a proper love interest at some point. It's not going to be someone that they see as a brother. It's definitely not going to be Barry. I agree. Um, no, it's it's it was kind of interesting. Like you know, the idea of uh, Killer Frost being worried about that. As you say, the cure might not even work on her. But imagine if you're Killer Frost and you're just there in the back of Caitlin's mind watching everything and. Caitlin tries to take the cure and it doesn't work. Can you imagine how pissed off Killer Frost would be next time she comes out? Yeah, like really, bitch, you try yeah. to cure yourself. Ain't no way you're gonna cure me. Oh, for God's sake! Oh uh, my gosh. Also, hey, here's a fun thought. What if Killer Frost is attracted to Ralph while Caitlin is attracted to Cisco? What an awkward uh, triple dating situation that would be. Or, or the opposite. What if Killer Frost? Well, is the thing is, from system? Killer Frost's point of view, she'd have to date someone who was, you know, who couldn't have certain appendages broken off. So oh. that's going to limit her choices. All right, the professor's getting kinky. Um, and you anyway, you so might have found a Killer Frost storyline. I might give a shit about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so after what can be best described as Mega Taco Tuesday, uh, Barry realizes how far he was pushed because of his concern over Nora and has the insight that Cicada feels the same way about his daughter. So he comes up with the idea to, rather than trying to kill Cicada uh, or capture Cicada, maybe he can neutralize Cicada if they can just cure Grace. Um, Dan, any thoughts on that? Will it work? And would this be a very flash way to neutralize Cicada as the threat? Honestly, it, it surprised me that it took him this long to figure that out. And we've gone through all these horrible episodes of Barry trying to punch Cicada when he has no powers. We finally have this moment of them actually using their intelligence, which is how they've beaten the majority of the villains when it wasn't just speed. So I'm glad they did that. I don't think it's going to matter in the end, uh, simply because Cicada's not going to give him shit. It's too far gone. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it was the reasonable place to get to, especially after we had that moment of, uh, you know, really, really awful angry Barry that uh, he, he would try to find a cerebral solution to it. And I'm not surprised that caring for a child was the cerebral solution to that. I wonder whether maybe they're reminding us about the doctor because, you know, they might do a thing where they cure Grace uh, and then it, it looks like Orland's going to go, oh, I, I don't care anymore. But then the doctor sort of steps in and, and you know, twists him somehow to get him to go uh, back to killing. I don't know. I just, I think their, their reintroduction of the doctor um, uh, you know, I, I, I suspect there's going to be some payoff to that. I could be wrong. I, I agree, um, with you, and I think it's great that you know, when, usually when you get men with uh, overcompensatingly gravelly voices in TV or movies, uh, they're sort of the loose cannon, and and the woman tries to be a voice of reason, and she gets roughly pushed aside. And I think it is nice for once to see that the doctor, who is a horrible human being is in the driver's right. seat, it seems, in terms of Cicada's mindset. It also, because she did have, you know, that uh, police officer who was helping her, it might suggest that there is, like, you know, a sort of loose network of like-minded people who just don't like the metas and want to get rid of them any way possible. So that might be, uh, you know, something we might discover uh, going on. Although there are, you know, the, the problem with this is, you know, something I was thinking about while watching it Supergirl. is that it's it's... If they go that route, it's it's too closely paralleling what's happening in Supergirl this season, right? Because they've got yeah. the people who are reacting against aliens versus reacting against metas and turning against them and and uh, and all of that. And I, and I do worry about uh, uh, the danger of going down the same road. I agree, one hundred percent. Although I'm not, not defending his voice at all, uh, because I'm I'm exhausted by it as well. He did get like punctured in the lung right like that's why he has the voice right it, we were explained that i feel like yeah but still and at least they don't let him talk that much i know yeah i agree Can you imagine if the thinker if the uh uh you know if uh if you know the thinker or uh or zoom or someone like that talked like that this much how annoying it would be yes uh, let's not forget Sherlock. Uh, he's still investigating Nora, but Iris overhears the interrogation and goes all mama bear. Uh, it's telling Sherlock, Sherlock, sorry about that, to uh, step back. Um, uh, Dan, what do you think about that scene? Uh, you know, Iris being very protective of her daughter. I liked it. I mean, I, I feel like it was kind of a crap moment at the same time, simply because she doesn't realize that there's something there to investigate. But, um, no, I, I mean, I... I was so ambivalent to this episode that I'm having difficulty finding positive things to say about it. But uh, but I like Iris. I like Sherlock. There we go. Those are my two positive things I'm going to say. 
Of course, Sherlock doesn't back off and realizes there's someone manipulating Nora. Now, this could have been a big show-end reveal. It wasn't. And it seems like it's just he's realizing what we in the audience have known for, you know, at least since, uh, you know, before the break, which is that, oh, yes, of course there's someone pulling the strings. It's Thawne. It's Thawne. It's Thawne. But is it? Is there any chance this is all a massive misdirect and there's some other force at work? I'll open this up to the floor. Does anyone think that there's any chance that this isn't Thawne manipulating Nora? Or that there's some other element, that Thawne is not the big bad that we're expecting him to be? Um, Pretty sure it's Thawne. Well, here's the thing. If they decide to go the route that Thawne really is, like, on his deathbed, he's going to be executed, and he really does care about his legacy, my legacy, and, and that kind of thing, which the showrunners have said that this season is supposed to be about legacy. Uh, but uh, Thawne ended up saying it so many times in the previous episode. If he is worried about that, and if he is trying to be good, then there would have to be an outside force that's manipulating what's going on. But I don't feel like that's the case. I feel like what Thawne is doing is the reason why Crisis is happening so fast. Like, I, not Iris, um, Nora being in the present has upset the, the time space continuum or whatever and uh that's why we are getting crisis uh what is it five years before it's supposed to be was it 2024 i don't remember the date Someone uh does. yeah i think it's supposed to be 2024 okay, in the so, original version of it so we're getting it five years early and i think this is thon's plan maybe i don't know why but he has, like, this has to be one of the reasons why Crisis is happening earlier. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I suppose there's always... Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, go ahead. I'll say, I, if we're going to entertain uh, theories or notions that it isn't, it isn't on, um, and it's about legacy, that it would have to be either a hero that turned into a villain from the past seasons or a villain that we haven't seen in a long time, and then what would be their motivation and where's the groundwork for it. I mean, where are the breadcrumbs? All the breadcrumbs this season have seemed to have led right up to, to Thon, um, you know, with the Flash Museum and Yellow everywhere and everything else. Um, so, so who else could it possibly be that would be that would be driving this this story or, or, or driving or have the motivation to do it? And I, I suppose there probably aren't. And if it is somebody different, we'll probably all look back and be like, oh, yep, it was there the whole time. It was clearly so-and-so but you know as is i don't know who could possibly possibly be that wouldn't feel like a letdown for all the work that we put in for kind of a you know a very average season um that's not to say that's not going to happen but i i guess i wouldn't be surprised given where the season is at right now other than the crossover well what uh, sherlock discovered is that there's you know two different hands you know, doing the handwriting there. And we know Barry knows how to write that or knew how to write that language when he was trapped in the Speed Force. This sure, house I mean, is bitching. I, I did think about that initially, too. You know, who else could have been writing it? I mean, it could be Thawne. It could be another speedster. But but who would that speedster be? I mean, would they really bring John Wesley ship back to be a bad version of a Flash? I mean, I kind of doubt that. 
um, you know, who else would be in the Speed Force other than, like, Speed itself. And I guess they could bring back Zoom. And they did kind of, in one of the flashbacks, insinuate that Zoom chased them when they went to the went to the past. So maybe it's Zoom coming back, but I, I, I sure hope not. And we still need well, to find out why this house is bitching. Yeah, we still don't know. Or why they need more diapers. Uh, anyway, was there anything else you guys wanted to mention about this episode before we pick our MVPs? In that case, which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. If someone's already mentioned the character you were going to choose, you must select a different one. Uh, fun, though, it would be to uh, make Dan wait until the end because, you know, he hates everyone and everything. I'm going to let him go first. Well, that's very kind of you, and I, I imagine it's not going to come as a, as a huge surprise uh, that my MVP is Cecile, uh, mostly because... In the absence of uh, you know a lot of good performances, other than I, I will agree with Dimitri that that Iris, for the small part she was in, was actually quite good. Um, Cecile made some rather kind of crap moments, uh, you know, become a little better as a result. So for me, it's Cecile, and her continued presence kind of fills two voids, both hers and Joe's. So Cecile once more. Dimitri, who is your MVP and pourquoi? Uh, first off, fuck you, Dan. Um, I'm. I really wanted to give it to Cecile. I think she is by far the MVP of the episode. Um, Iris is second. Um, one of the few believable performances this episode. Um, it, it was very limited um, just due to screen time. Uh, but a lot of this episode felt slightly contrived. And to some degree, I hate to be a hater. She almost gets it by default. Jeff, who is your MVP and why? Wow. Well, Iris, I'm looking forward to the rating section. I may just skip ahead to the end. I know, right? Iris would never be a winner by default. Iris is a winner because she's a winner. So I'm just saying that. But um, nobody else but her and Cecile were winners this episode. I felt, at least. Oh, uh, okay. Well, maybe if, if there was some Keiko action. But uh, speaking of Keiko, I'm going to give it to Danielle Panabaker. So that means I get two for one, um, although it's the same person, just different sides. But uh, I, I really like what they did with Killer Frost's episode. Um, oddly enough, uh, the, the other character that was involved in the storyline almost got it as well. Um, but I was just really impressed with Danielle Panabaker throughout uh, the entire episode. Minus that one little moment where she had to transform and be like, you need to go to a hospital. I'm like, really? Uh, outside of that, uh, I liked all of the frosty action, and uh, I like seeing their relationship grow. Uh, they're, they're kind of like sisters, and, and uh, they're fun together. So um, I like it. So Daniel kind of like sisters, sisters. Yes. One of your sisters was engaged in human trafficking. Oh my gosh. That was so long ago. Someone holds grudges. My God. Um, although, you know, if you're going to hold a grudge, human trafficking is a very good reason to hold a grudge against someone. Uh, oh, yes. I'm going to give mine uh, not a whole lot left on the uh, the playing field, um, but I will give mine to Ralph. Uh, I thought, you know, we haven't had Ralph, you know, for it seems like weeks and weeks um you know having him come back he got his great sister sister joke in there uh, he got to be the sounding board for uh for killer frost uh, allowing killer frost to sort of you know come to a resolution about things and also you know got to embrace his inner hero at the end you know uh saving all the metas uh you know uh without him uh you know things might have turned out quite differently uh certainly snake eye would be dead which would not be a great loss but hey uh so i'm going to give my mvp to a ralph 
And now, I dread this moment, uh, time to rate this episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Star Labs Museum. Uh, ordinarily, I start low and build high, but in this case, I feel it would just be too depressing. So, Jeff, you may start us out. Okay. It is a good choice, although I'm not going to go as high as maybe you think. Uh, but, uh, okay. If you're not a negative integer, I think you'll be above Dan. Okay, perfect. I am not a negative integer. Uh, so, uh, I did like the idea of the metas being taken out of town. So, the fact that we got to see a couple of uh, our known metas was really nice. Uh, and um, I, I did like that aspect of the episode. I liked the Killer Frost storyline. I like what they did with D.A. Cecile Horton and with Iris West Allen. Uh, I did get a little bit of delight in the Bane situation, uh, but uh, it also led to some really interesting stuff with Sherlock throughout the episode, and I liked him um, uh, interrogating Nora, but I did have a lot of issues with everything else with Cicada and with Barry's reaction and uh, just with certain little moments throughout the episode that, that really felt off. So while I hoped it would be a, a, a better episode, and, and while I did like it a little bit better than the promo suggested, I'm going to give it a 7. It was decent, fine. Uh, a 7 is a C in my mind, because um, that would be 70%. So there you go. Dimitri, what is your rating for this episode, Unleash the Hate? Actually, believe it or not, I am going to archive this episode in the Museum of Mediocre Fours. There's no this, such thing. This was... There, there, there were some opportunities that were really missed. I feel like one of the big things they did wrong was this would have had a lot more emotional gravitas if we didn't know Nora was going to heal. If it was possible that she was paralyzed forever and then maybe they found a way to repair her spine or Felicity sent over her spine chip or something if it seemed like nora was paralyzed maybe couldn't get back to the her own time as a result then i would be a little more in emotionally invested they make it clear almost immediately that she'll be fine in like 30 minutes and you know it's it's really hard to be as upset as everyone else is when you know that um given that you know this is about you know being pushed to the brink because of harm that came to your daughter there was a disproportionate amount of time given to Daniel Panabaker um, and almost too little time given to Iris, um, whose daughter is also, uh, you know, harmed. So uh, I felt like, you know, they, they had they had what could have been an interesting premise um, and basically wasted it uh, for for this episode. Yeah, I, I've got to push back here because you've said this a couple of times, and I think you misread those scenes when Nora was in the hospital because, yes, they were saying her power should have healed her by now, but it wasn't because of the dark matter. Dark matter had worked out, but then the dark matter was gone, and she still wasn't healing, and they clearly established that. So it was not clear that she But it, it was shown From her point she... of view, from her point of view, from uh, you know Iris's point of view, from all of their point of view, they did not know she was going to get better. So from her point of view... And from their point of view, dealing with the possibility that she might be crippled for life. They, don't, they didn't know. So that was right for their characters. We might uh, have known because we know that she's you know, up and running uh, next episode. But they wouldn't have known. 
Nah, because immediately when, right after Caitlyn says, oh, the dark matter is gone, she's like, oh, and your spine has grown a little bit. She said your spine has grown, but then, uh, you know, uh, Nora revealed, you know, how fast her spine should be regrowing because of her, uh, you know, if her powers were kicking in. So I would argue that, you know, they really didn't know that she was going to recover. Mm, yes. IDK, so man, what number are you giving it? Might be an agree to disagree moment. What number are you giving it? Four. I think you gave it a four. Oh, okay. Uh, Dan, what is your rating? You know, strangely, I thought I was going to come in at the lowest. Um, and I suppose on some level I am. I'm also going to go with the four uh, for, for different reasons. It's mostly the inconsistency. What did you give it last week? Because you did say this one was slightly better than last week. I gave last one a three, didn't I? That yeah, sounds about right. Someone's, someone's probably keeping on a wiki or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I thought I went through last week, so I was going to just go one step higher this week and, and, and go up to four. Um, if that's not the case, then that's 100% on me. And I'm being inconsistent, so I'm no better than the Flash Riders. But uh, the, the inconsistency throughout the episode, the uh, predictability of kind of where I was going, you know, it, it left a lot to be desired. Obviously, we've kind of enumerated the reasons why we weren't particularly fond of it. But a four for me. Uh, I'm going to come in a little higher. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, will I go back and watch it again? Probably not, unless, as I say, you know, there's there's something in there. But, you know, uh, I do love, uh, you know, Cecile Horton. I thought Sherlock was used well. And they managed to find a way to, uh, to neutralize Nora for most of the episode, uh, which, you know, got rid of that. Uh, and we got to see, uh, you know, uh, Candace and, uh, and Grant playing, you know, uh, the parental role. Uh, in a slightly different sort of parental world than they've had the chance to do so far. Uh, So join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Central City Citizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a good night. Good night, listeners. Good night, Central City. Night, Central City. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papichulo Radio Archives. Good night.